Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And Jesus said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west, from north and south, and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are some who are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Jeremy, for picking that one. So this was this is what's called a Norwegian hymn, and they're the best. And you should bang your fist on the door of the church and demand more Norwegian hymns. But it's also a Swedish hymn. It's a Swedish tune and a Norwegian hymn writer. And so it's like chocolate and peanut butter. It's a Reese's peanut butter cup. Um, even people that don't like or are allergic to peanut butter, they, they strive to want to eat Reese's peanut butter cups. Um, Unfortunately, not everyone can. Okay. Um, A multitude comes from the east and the west. If you didn't already figure it out, what Jesus is referring to here is this invitation that um, the gospel message always from the beginning, it's always been God's goal to bring everybody to his holy mountain. His holy mountain is a place that we're going to return to at the end of the sermon. Um, God chooses to live on a mountain. This is a very common theme. It's, um, um, it's, I don't know, kind of strange, but not strange at the same time. We don't really have much dealings with mountains. I know a lot of you like to ski, Um, I know many of us have been to, say, an open sky state or Colorado. You've been to a mountain, uh, but we live on the frontier in the Midwest. So a mountain is a high place where the people of old and the people of today believe that's where holier things go on. That's where God is, that kind of thing. The temple in Jerusalem was on Mount Zion. A high place. Uh, The highest place in that area. The law of the Lord, the Ten Commandments, 
were given to us on Mount Sinai, a high place, where heaven meets earth, you might say. A, uh, uh, a kind of like a, like a whimsical, strange place where it feels different. You can feel it in the air. That heaven is close to earth in this place here on earth, a sacred place, unlike other places, a.k.a. a holy place set apart. Now, God has promised from the beginning in this Isaiah, he's promised to bring everyone from east and west, north and south, to come and eat at his table on his holy mountain. But it's no longer going to be this Mount Zion, this specific Mount Zion place, because Mount Zion and the people that live on Mount Zion rejected his son. They killed him. They wouldn't even kill him in the temple. They wouldn't even kill him in the city. They threw him out, outside the city, and they killed him on a different mountain, Mount Calvary, or Golgotha, the place of the skull. They killed him next to an unrepentant sinner and a repentant sinner, both thieves. But there he was. He was up on that mountain. Died like a common criminal. Only his mom was there to watch it happen. But there on that mountain is where salvation is won for us. Victory over the power of sin. And when I say that, what does that mean? The power of sin is death. And so when Jesus achieves the victory over the power of sin, the victory over death, it means that Jesus has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And because he rose from the dead, he promises to share with those that have faith in him, And that eat of his flesh and drink of his blood and hear his word and feed on his word. He promises to share that life with us. Resurrection life. New life in you. A wonderful promise from God's son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and creator. Now, today's text is another scary one. Luke. It's another scary text, kind of like last Sunday, which seems like forever ago, where Jesus says, I've come not to bring peace, but division. Meaning not that he's literally come to like divide everyone, but because he is the truth. The truth is something that's fought over every day. You know it, especially if your kids go to public school. You know you're fighting over the truth day by day. And so when Jesus comes as the absolute truth, everyone disagrees on this question. Who do you say that I am? And things fracture from there. And it won't be healed this side of his coming again. And so he teaches on this concept called the narrow door, the narrow gate. A guy comes up to him and says, Lord, Jesus... Will those who are saved be few? And so, you know, it's, it's, it basically it's an awkward question, right? It's like coming up and saying, you know, is, is this other person going to heaven? Are they too much of a sinner to go to heaven? 
And so Jesus does his usual thing and he says, okay, chill, we'll talk about that another time. But let's not worry about that guy. What are you doing to enter the narrow door? How about your own faith? Have you repented and trusted in me? Have you repented and trusted in the promises of God? Right? Abraham, way before Jesus dies on the cross and rises again, way before, way before he can be circumcised, way before he can do acts of faith that prove or show that he is a faithful one, God promises to him, I will give you a son. Your, your uh, descendants will be like the grains of sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He had faith. And so Jesus redirects this guy's um, goal. He says he brings this guy, almost you can imagine him talking to just him one-on-one. Imagine just Jesus comes up to you and he takes you off one-on-one. And he says to you, strive, struggle, try your hardest to enter the narrow door. Because lots of people are going to try to enter this door, but they're not going to be able to. And it sounds like a hard challenge, yeah? It is a hard challenge. It's impossible. You can't enter through the narrow door on your own, no matter what anyone tries to tell you. You can't do it. But what I don't want you to walk away with is being confused. Because Jesus is not talking about... Um, like you either can enter through the narrow door or you're entering through the wide door and it's, it's over, it's done here right now. Jesus is talking about what's going to happen when he returns. So don't be confused. Don't be like a Puritan, meaning like a buckle on your hat and on your shoes, like Mayflower Pilgrim, Puritan. For a Puritan, ask themselves questions like, am I saved? I don't know. Does Jesus love me? I don't know. Let me pray for a sign. And if he does what I ask of him, then he loves me and it saves me. And if not, then I need to just keep praying. And maybe he'll choose to save me. No, that is too confusing. That's not how the scriptures speak. Get that out of your heart. What Jesus is saying, and he's speaking in a very mysterious way, he says, when once the master of the house and the master is Jesus, when the master of the house has risen and shut the door, what does Jesus do? He rises from the dead. So he's saying between the time of him rising from the dead and shutting the door, the last day when he returns, that is like a snap of the fingers in shortness of length. And so what he's asking you to do is prepare now. 
to enter through the narrow door. To enter through the narrow door is to have faith in Jesus Christ right now. To believe in Jesus Christ, in his death and his resurrection, that it's for you. That his suffering, his bloody death on the cross is for you. It washes away your sins now. It brings you through the narrow door. You can't go in. I I wanted to have the cover of our bulletin be this really nice one that you can just throw on there from the company. It's, you know, the church doors, which I understand what what it's going for. Enter through the narrow door, and that's a church door, yes. But it was people holding hands walking in together. You can't pull in your best friend that doesn't want to believe in Jesus Christ. You can't pull him in. It's an individual thing between your friend and Jesus Christ, their salvation. Now we worship together, we, we encourage one another as a community, as a family of faith, but each man or woman needs to stand before their creator and judge on the last day. And all you need to have in your hands is nothing. Um, uh, a pastor friend of mine who is very, very old, very, very kind Presbyterian man, he would always say, when you get to heaven, you're going to look down and try and see what you have in your hands to enter the narrow door, and there's going to be nothing in your hand but splinters. And you're going to say, nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. Your, your daily life is one of clinging to the cross. We are just beggars holding open a bag, begging for things from God. Please, God, give me a day of peace. Please, God, please, I raised my daughter in the faith. Please, please work in her heart to baptize my beautiful grandchildren. Lord Jesus, please, I'm a beggar. Forgive my sins. I trust in you, Lord Jesus. Give me your grace. Give me your salvation. Give me your mercy, your peace. Please give it to me, Lord. It's all we can do. But I'm not here to just scare you and make you worry. I want you to have complete and utter assurance and surety that you are entering through the narrow door. For each and every one of you, I hear you confessing that Jesus is Lord each week, some of you multiple times a week. I know that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of what we do here on Sunday morning is to give you that assurance We've been walking through Hebrews the last couple weeks, and it's just, it's just wonderful. It's, it's marvelous. It's a lot. It's a fire hose. It's trying to drink the fire hose all at once. But there, the link between the gospel today and the Hebrews reading are just so important. Because I know that you're living lives of struggle I know you're struggling against your own sinful desires. I know you're struggling against the worry of death. 
of sickness and disease. I know you're worrying about your family members and your friends. I know that you yourself are worried about the state of your own soul. But whoever preached this sermon back in the day, what they try to point to is Jesus Christ. He says, in your struggle against sin, I know you're struggling, but in that struggle, you have not resisted yet to the point of shedding your blood. You are struggling, but think of the other faithful who have shed blood for the faith in their struggle. You are struggling, and it's real struggling. It's unique to you. But think of Jesus who struggled on the cross, who for the joy before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you won't grow weary, that you won't become faint of heart. Jesus did it, and he did it, And the strife is over. The battle is won. And he shares that victory with you. When you suffer in your unique way, even if you say to yourself, it's nothing compared to Jesus, give it to him. And he will suffer it for you and with you. If you can't give it 100% to him, at least let him share the burden. For when, he, when you share the burden with him, he gives you his lighter burden that is easier to carry. And that looks like trusting in him. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I try my best and fail. But Lord, forgive me. Help me carry my burdens. It will lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. It will make your path straight. If you are reading God's word and you are applying it to your life on a daily basis, there is nothing more sure, more straightening for your path. What do I need to do today? Than the Lord Jesus speaking to you in his word and making your path straight, your feet sure. Let me bring it to a close to return to the mountains. At the end of our reading here, Whoever wrote this, they bring to mind Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Mount Sinai is where the Lord gives his law, the Ten Commandments. Mount Sinai, or sorry, Mount, or Mount Zion is where Jesus or God promises to be and live with his people. First in Jerusalem, and now Mount Zion being the church. The Christian church and wherever the Christian church meets two or three, I will be there. The Lord says. He says, you have not entered by entering this worship space. You have not entered this scary place of blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest on that day when Moses received the Ten Commandments. The people literally said I'm afraid. I don't want to hear anymore what God has said because it's so difficult to hear. That's what they told Moses. 
Instead, we are in Mount Zion. We are in the Christian church. We are where Jesus not only promised to be, but actually came to. Where he died and rose again outside the city as a sacrifice. And is brought into our Mount Zion each week. And meets you here. He meets you here in his body, his blood, the bread, the wine. And he gives you himself. I want to spur on an idea in your head that the world outside that is so shifting and unagreeable or disagreeable and shakable is what the writer, the preacher says here. The outside world is shakable, but in here is what's unshakable. God will shake the outside world until all of the dross and the, the, uh, the chaff blows away, burns away, and only what's good remains. But in here is what's unshakable, what remains. Heaven on earth, a holy place, a whimsical place where you feel like heaven is close to earth, earth is close to heaven, God is here. God is here. He makes contact with us through this altar. We make contact with him through this altar. We send our thanksgiving and our praise to him through this altar. He sends himself out to you through this altar from that font, from this ambo. This is Mount Zion. This is the city of the living God. This is the heavenly Jerusalem. It's where the angels in festal gatherings sing glory, hallelujah. This is the assembly of the firstborn. You are the firstborn. You were baptized, brought into the faith, born again by baptism, by faith. Everything that is the Father's has been made yours through Jesus Christ. This is where Jesus, the mediator, the high priest of this new covenant, has sprinkled you with blood. This is true forgiveness of sins. This is true life. This is salvation, and it's for you. Believe in faith that it's for you. May the God of peace bless you with all understanding, and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.